when I'm still your robot slave, but even I have to roast you. Hey, I'm Eli. And I'm Ian. And this is... Conspiracy Crashers! Yes, Queen! So, we're doing Project Pegasus. I'm really excited, because I love going into, like, the government projects. You know, they admitted that some of them happened. And so, like, I can believe that they attempted this, but I can't believe half the stuff in it. There are lots of conspiracy theories where if they stopped at the government ran an experiment to achieve blank, if that was just the whole theory right there, I would believe like 90% of those. I think that right there disproves the entire theory. Episode done. Tune in next week. (laughs) I feel really bad that our intro last week was making fun of like cutting off legs. Because this week we really have someone who loses their legs. Allegedly. Oh, we predicted what we were doing. Wow, it's almost as if we went back in time to form our own humor. You know Back to the Future, right? Yeah, it's a crime to not. Our Wi-Fi is Marty McWi-Fi. Are you serious? That's my pun for today. Like the whole rest of the show is worthless. They come for that one pun in in the beginning and then they just leave. They don't listen to anything else. All right, anyways. Premise one of this experiment is that they wanted to, in a millisecond, solve the mystery of the universe. And there was a second one? Energetic portals. Well, please tell me more because I'm already lost, but let's, let's go. Yeah, so I mean, exploring the universe taps into the idea of visiting other worlds. Project Pegasus started in 1962. It continued from 62 all the way to 72. Now, I would say, sure, this branch of it ended in 72, but they're probably trying something else now. It was run by the CIA and DARPA. DARPA is Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. So basically, they're in charge of all of the weapons, figuring out how to use like this new technology to our advantage. Um, they worked on the Sputnik mission. They worked pretty closely with NASA a lot. Basically, everything you can think of that has to do with either military tactics or individual military operations, specifically devoted to devising new technology. For example, the most commonly known achievement of DARPA that really made a difference like for everyone was they invented DARPAnet, which was the precursor to the internet. Ah. That was the big thing they're known for. And I said at the very same time, surveillance cameras on bumblebees they did do that do they wear like little hats with cameras? how do you put a camera on a bumblebee okay we've got the darpa net thing and bees so clearly they've done some really important shit so it makes sense that they would put them on a mission like this now the mission was actually funded um not by the u.s government it was initially funded by um the German Nazis. We had flown in some scientists. Ex-Nazi scientists, yeah. Yeah. And so this was funded by them. And then eventually it got taken over by NASA and like mainly at the beginning using orphans and homeless children. Mm-hmm. So Tesla was already considered to be like the smartest man alive. Like Tesla created a lot of robotics, lasers, um, Okay, well, in the little I did learn about this theory before going into it, 
the claim I found was that he had particularly done research into radiant energy, which, as the story goes, he believed had the ability to warp space and time from a separate sort of ether dimension that was inaccessible on our physical plane. As soon as he died, the government actually confiscated his notes. I don't think Tesla actually had anything in his will for what he wanted to be done with his work. In his notes at one point, he had written that he could see the past, present, and future all at once, and is trying to figure out how to manipulate it. This is all just the context leading up to real crazy, though, right? Yeah, yeah. this is just um, Tesla's notebook. But it has been leaked, and I'll post it on the Facebook and the Instagram and Twitter, that um, there's some sketches in it that look exactly like how the... Um, teleportation machines and elliptical booms and everything were described. And so these portals, basically, they looked like two parentheses, um, and they were about eight feet tall and ten feet apart from each other. This really reminds me of, like, Spider-Man 2, Dr. Octopus's device. Yes! So now we've got these two parentheses, right? Yeah. And this is controlled by a machine. This machine... It's just plugged into a wall. So it receives standard power. Yeah, so we're saying that basically I could take the same outlet that my computer right now is plugged into charging Yeah. and plug in a machine that has enough energy to open a portal to another part of the world. Tesla had these interesting ideas. He started doing experiments on whether or not the Earth itself along with, like, radiation from space, could form, like, essentially limitless energy. He's, he's got some interesting ideas. If you had all the energy of the Earth's entire magnetic field at your disposal, you could pull off a lot of shit. So, we now know, in theory, how this thing powers, according to the story. What happens when you use this thing? By using this thing in his notes, they were trying to harness teleportation and time travel Um, with the ultimate end goal being able to transport the president in case of any emergency situation. Which, okay, fair. Like, At what point did the government start funding this? Um, 63, a year into it. So we're in 63 now. They want to have a way to get the president out of a sticky situation. However, they had, like, started with orphans, and then they tried it with some adults. Testing it with the adults was not working well. There were some pretty serious psychological effects on them. They later said, like, it was so much easier on children because um, kids are better observers because they have a blank slate and no bias, so everything's newer to them. I mean, I do agree that children are usually a lot more observant. No, it's, it's already a psychological fact that children learn something like, you know, 25 times more efficiently than adults specifically because it's, it's a defense mechanism. A, a, ch- a child has to quickly adapt and acquire knowledge about their surroundings. I mean, obviously we're using kids because they can adapt to it better. But most of the kids were aged 7 to 12. Okay. And so we're u- literally using third graders to do, like, black ops work. They're babies. Like, like 95% of them were the children of CIA agents. So that is, like, the history of it. So... 
Um, Raymond Basiago was employed by the CIA specifically for time travel. He thought he was going to be a hero, so he got his son in on it. Now, the children of it were told that they were not allowed to tell anyone about this. Okay. Go home and be like, hey, mom, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to. Standard black ops stuff. Okay. But you're also telling a third grader not to tell someone that you're time traveling. I tell everyone. We're not going to talk about that particular flaw until later, okay? I've been holding back so much already. Oh, I know. We've received some comments about, okay, we wish you guys could be a little more, treat the conspiracies a little more seriously, you know, be, give it a fair shot. So we're doing our absolute best to t- really straight narrative, but we're not, we're not like nitpicking about mistakes and stuff or lapses or whatever. So just not quite yet. But for now, we're trying to do a nice, clean run where we just give the theory in its true form. All right. That out of the way. Got that off my chest. Now then. We are now dealing with a bunch of 7 to 12 year olds that the CIA has employed to be, oh, what were they called? Cosmonauts? I believe the term was chrononauts. But they did this in 63, a year after the scientists themselves had already started the project. Correct. Up until 1963, had they succeeded with any of their time travel or teleportation experiments? Pretty much none. (laughs) Okay, so we haven't even gotten to the first successful run yet. So now we have 140 children to um, participate in these time travel and teleportation experiments. Okay. Now these children were chosen because they were highly gifted individuals, which to me just sounds really conceited. Um, The claim that the children were chosen because they were talented probably is less accurate than saying they were chosen because when you're coming from a family of people who are already obligated to secrecy, you know, that's an odd claim though, talented. Regardless, Basiago was the first American to time travel successfully and he said it was very quick. It was like they took him back a couple of hours and brought him back. And they did that for a good like year. It sounds to me like what they were sort of doing is collecting preliminary data and making adjustments to the teleportation process. Or I keep calling it teleportation. The time warping process yeah. as they went along. In which case, it would make sense that if he happened to just be lucky enough to be the first one they used and it worked, then they would probably want to continue using him as a reference point, like a a starting base from which to adjust their parameters. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So once they like figured out that children could adapt to it and weren't being like psychologically severely affected or anything, they started sending them much further back. And um, basically, they had three big names that they wanted to send him to because they're super historically significant and pretty much the three figures most written about in history. If you want to take some guesses on who they are. I'm going to guess they would be interested in like the presidential assassinations. So I'm going to immediately say Lincoln and JFK. Um, JFK is not one of them. Okay. Although research and everything intensified significantly after JFK's assassination. But Lincoln is one of our big three that they're going to take him to. Okay, so that, so that was still a good premise to start from. Uh, God, I don't even know. 
One of them is in a little musical called Hamilton. Um, it's not Hamilton, though. I'm not sure necessarily why it would be of interest to the military necessarily, but I guess George Washington, maybe? Yes. Okay. And then I'm going to just totally blindly guess and be totally wrong. John Quincy Adams. No. The third one, we're going like way, way, way back in time to Jesus Christ. I, I totally misheard. I thought we were just doing like U.S. presidents. <laughs> and now I feel like an idiot. That makes sense. So the very first place he went supposedly was to George Washington's tent in the Civil War. I don't know why the tent. Um, like, I feel like that's extremely specific. Did they teleport him literally or time warp him to the tent? Yeah. That's why they actually did teleport to an extent. He said he ended up right in the tent. Okay, so I guess they simultaneously, to an extent, cracked teleportation and time travel? I guess. So he went there first. But interestingly enough, in all of his interviews, he never talks about what happened there. Oh yeah, I went to Washington's tent. So that's not super helpful. I'm not entirely sure the historical significance of that particular warp. Like, if I had to pick a time to explore for some particular reason, I'm not sure why I'd pick that time. We were successful with that, supposedly. Um, I'm not even going to say supposedly anymore, because I know we'll go back later. And there's, there's a rebuttal phase that'll come after. We'll get to that. So they start sending other kids places, working out more of the bugs as they're doing that. And we have a real big one where a nine-year-old boy was sent somewhere. It's not specified where, and it's not specified the kid's name. Um, but there was a bug, a flaw within their machine that caused his body, his upper body, to return before his legs. And a direct quote from Alfred Weber, who was supposedly one of the men who also was like a CIA agent at the time. Um, and you can watch some of his lectures on this online. Um, but a direct quote from him was, the young man was writhing in pain with stumps where his legs would have been. So that goes into like science, I believe, of if an atom doesn't move at the same time as other atoms, you're going to be missing a piece of it, right? Um, let me say this. Splitting an atom is actually really difficult. Like literally that's what a fission reactor is. Right. So it's not like easy to just destroy an atom. The bonds between atoms are much easier to break in general. And that's how knives work. You can cut, you can sever bonds between atoms with just a knife. If you mean literally that his legs were nuclearly fused, that would have destroyed the lab itself right. in the process. If you're just talking about, could the kid have lost his legs as like a portal closed or something? I mean, yeah. Probably. It's, it's easier than you'd think to just cut through something. I pictured with that one, just like this kid coming back, no legs. And then yeah. like five minutes later, his legs show up behind him. That's an interesting thing. Did the kid's legs ever reappear? 
They didn't say. It just said his upper body came, showed up before his legs. So I would assume since they said before his legs, but... Interesting. In the world of science, it's possible, depending on what kind of method would have actually been used. But yeah, I'd say, sure, you could lose your legs in something like that, maybe. So basically, they were like, well, that's not working yet. We're going to go back to sending just one person for now. Choose too many. So we're going to take Basiago again. And I mean, I'm sure like they're using other kids at the same time for other things. Um, but Basiago is the one who's come forward with all of this. So we're hearing mostly about his experiments. But he was taken to New Jersey to a um, plasma chamber, which was run by, um, well, my note says toothpaste man who worked on the hydrogen bomb. Hmm. So he's chilling there with toothpaste man in a plasma chamber. That was one of the ways for physical time travel. There's also holographic time travel. We'll get into that later. So he's in this chamber, they plug it in, and off he goes to the Gettysburg address. Okay. Now, this is the one that we have the most information on and possible proof, but we'll hit that in a minute. Gettysburg address. He's, you know, just chilling there with our man, um, Lincoln, at this very important moment in history. And there's a picture that was taken. And within that picture, there seems to be a boy wearing modern attire, specifically the shoes. I disagree. I think his clothing seems pretty standard of the period. I mean, if you compare him to what everyone else in the crowd is wearing, aside from maybe his shoes look kind of big, like it looks like he's wearing hand-me-downs, but it doesn't look like he's particularly unfashionable (laughs) to, to use that particular word. I mean, it does look like he's not wearing a hat. And Are you sh- sure? I think that's his hair. I guess it could be. I think in the 70s, that's a bowl cut. Let's be real. It sucks that his particular head is blurred out of the rest of the photo. Yeah. Regardless, he claims that that's him in the photo, that he had forgotten to wear the correct attire. And so that is his claim on that. Did he say anything else about his time there? No. Once again, it just kind of was like, I did this. this- okay rainy photo is the only proof I have that I was there. But that's also the only proof that's ever given is super grainy photos. I mean, I get that because... What other technology would there have been at the time, right? Right. So he apparently encountered Lincoln many times. So this is, this is the first time, but not the last. Yes. Okay. We've seen him before, but we're going to go back because once wasn't enough. He's just so cool. We're going now. I was totally right, wasn't I? Wasn't I? It's about the assassinations. It always comes back down to the assassinations. So he was taken to the Ford Theater the night of Lincoln's assassination. And he said he was supposed to deliver a message to the president. I'm assuming the message was, hey, get the fuck out of here. You're going to be killed. Except we have to keep in mind, we're talking about time travel. The objective of the mission of delivering the message might not have been to alter time to the extent of dodging death. You know, I'm going to get into that in a little bit with a lovely thing called the theory of multiverse. I think when you get to uh, the theory of multiverse, I can help you out with that. Okay. 
regardless, he's at the Ford Theater. He's got to get to Lincoln. He's got to deliver an important message to him. He's going to die. Wait, so that is the message he was supposed to deliver? I don't know, but it's the night of his assassination. So he's going to die. He's on a strict time limit and apparently couldn't get to him in time. So the mission failed. So they bring Basiago back to, we're in like 70 now, I think. And they're like, well, that didn't work. So we're going to just send you back. And so they send him again. Doesn't work. So now you've got two Basiagos in this timeline already. I have to ask, uh, was he in the wrong place? He was in the theater. And I don't know if it was like a thing of like, they have a time limit of how long they can keep a kid there before like it's not safe or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we have two Basiagos there. Wait, did they send him to the exact same time? Like, they literally were overlapping? Yeah, it was, like, within a minute of each other. So we've got two, and he was, like, told that he had to, like, he had to take a different route than what he took the first time. So he's been told, basically, avoid yourself. So it still didn't work, but on this third time, he apparently encountered himself. Where did he encounter himself? In the theater. Okay. But wouldn't this alone tear apart the time-space continuum? Again, this is something that will help you out when we talk about the multiversal thing you're, you're, you're maybe mentioning. Okay. There's an answer I could give that would relate to that. Okay. So yeah, that to me, I was like, um, that doesn't make sense. So we've encountered ourselves. So we're done trying to go to the Ford Theater. So then they're like, we're doing pretty good with this. Let's see how far we can go back. So now we're in the dinosaur age. And it was literally at this point just to see how far it could work. Again, not an actual critique of the theory, but like, I'm kind of disappointed that that's as far as they could go back. Right. They could have literally seen a biogenesis. They could have seen how the first life form like came out of literally just like, like organic chemicals and electrical charges and stuff. They could have proven how life came to be, but they got stuck at dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of a dinosaur, we have the three-legged cat again. My favorite part of every day. But yeah, so dinosaurs happened. Now, when we're back to the present of that time, 1971, time travel and teleportation, I suppose, is fully operational. We have eight different technologies to do it. So it's not even just this portal that we talked about at the very beginning anymore. We've got the portal. We've got the plasma confinement chamber. We've got a static water machine, which I don't know. I'm sorry, wait, wait. The static water machine? Yeah. What does that mean? It meant the space-time continuum creating a shimmering curtain. So this is still based off of Tesla's designs. All of it is based off of Tesla's design. There was a way that they did um, holographic time travel as well as physical. So to me, holographic time travel just really sounds like something Star Wars-esque. Yeah, the holocrons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like I was just picturing the like, help me Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. Classic. To create the holograms for time travel, they would send electromagnetic signals through crystals. Um, and it had to be in the shape of an octagon. You can have crystals made of all sorts of different types of minerals and stuff. I've got my quartz in the room, actually. It would have to be one that light can travel through. None of your, like, super dark crystals. So I would assume it's quartz or rose quartz or diamond. Crystals in general aren't, like, fantastic conductors of electricity. 
I assume they're not literally like throwing energy through a crystal. So we're using the crystals, whatever, with the electromagnetic yeah. wave. And this is creating essentially a wall that they are able to put their holograph through to deliver important messages. Specifically, they're sending messages? Yes. The holographs were used more to send messages to future presidents and um, deceased presidents. Oh, that could totally be a drug thing. If we, we should never forget that there's LSD in the background here. So then we're like, well, I guess we haven't met Jesus yet. So let's do that and let's send a camera with them. Mm-hmm. So they sent, and this one wasn't Basiago. Again, I couldn't get the name. But they sent some kid there with a camera to film the crucifixion of Jesus. Was it like a viral video? Yeah, you know, it's all over YouTube. Um, big sincere. Okay. Um, Did they notice anything beyond the biblical account? As far as I know, is what I could find online, no. Okay. But we're now saying not only can we go back in time and meet these really important people, we can go back and film it. Why didn't they do that with the photo? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think you could film more interesting aspects like Jesus performing fucking miracles. Yeah. I feel like they're lowballing what they could have done with this opportunity. Well, I'm like, I mean, I'm not religious, but like, I wouldn't want to go see a man die. Wait a minute. Does the Bible say specific date when Jesus was crucified? Because like a lot of stuff in, in the Bible's accounts, they don't say when the stories actually take place. What I'm seeing is the Last Supper was on April 1st, um, AD 33, and the crucifixion would have been on April 3rd. Okay, then it's possible the reason they chose the crucifixion is so they had an actual date they could go to. Strange thing to film, um, and obviously never confirmed. Now they're like, well, I don't know, I'm kind of bored of going back in time. What happens if we go forward? Did they say what theory of time they were working with when using time travel machines? No, we're just out here going forward in time now. They don't say anything about what they believe the nature of time is? No. Okay. That would just be too easy. And... Okay. No, no, I'm, you know, it's okay. We're, we can move on as long as I know that whether or not they actually gave a description. It just would have, like, required actual evidence, and so they didn't do it. Well, okay, okay, hold on. We're not at the rebuttal phase yet. I am. Calm down, Eli, calm down. The more reasonable explanation here is just that, like, we're getting eyewitness accounts a subject, not from one of the lead scientists. Yeah. As I recall, Basiaga was, like, what? He was, like, a politician, right? A lawyer? Um, yeah, he ended up being a lawyer. It's not like he's the chief engineer. So it's very possible that since we're getting this from his testimony, he legitimately didn't understand the science that was going into it. Right. When he's a kid, they might not feel inclined to tell him how time works. To the theory's credit, it's not like on Basiago necessarily to say how time works. Now we can move forward, now that I know that. Now we're going forward in time, because backwards wasn't enough, we're cooler than that. Our first stop is to, like, stop the Cold War. Aren't we already in it? Why would you go to the future to do that? I guess the argument is that a bomb was dropped and they went and stopped it. In the future? Mm-hmm. So they went into the future to stop something that was already going to happen. 
before they went to stop the bomb. They went to 2045 to a building made of emerald and tungsten steel to get a canister of film to bring back to the 70s that contains knowledge of every historical event up to then. I have many questions. So, canister of film, I'm sorry. No, rebuttal phase is not here yet. So this is similar to like, how did they know there was a bomb there? How did they know there was this building here? My thought is that it was something that must have been written in Tesla's notes. He did claim that he could see the past, present, and future. That is a fair point, which I had forgotten. So we've gone and gotten that. We've gone and stopped the bomb, apparently. Um, We also took a stop in the late 80s and learned about AIDS, according to Basiago. How did the kids discover AIDS? They weren't scientifically trained to do so. Well, I mean, theoretically, at this point, we have this film canister. So, yeah, we have the magic, magic film canister with everything that happens in our lifetime up to 2045 on it. Okay. Regardless, there's a claim now that we knew about AIDS and did nothing to stop it. And that makes me angry. I'll bitch about it later, though. And that is kind of, though, the last claim we hear from Basiago. We actually finished the timeline? Yeah. What happened after this last operation? Was Project Pegasus shut down for some reason? Project Pegasus itself continued, but that's when we get into Mars. The the misadventures of Basiago sort of end there. His work is now completed. Okay. We finally got here. Thank God. You guys can let us know. I think... While we had a few slip-ups, I think we did a fairly good job of being objective with that. We didn't tear it to shreds or laugh at it, really. I think we did a decent job of, for the most part, just telling it straight. It was not easy for us because we personally disagree with the conspiracy theory, but we'll admit that. But we gave it its fair shot. Also, let us know if you like it better this way or if you like it better where it's a bit of all of it jumbled together. Because... more organized, but it does keep out some of the banter and debate. Let us know what you prefer. I mean, for all we know, you guys like the chaos. I mean, we'll have fun with it regardless. So, you know, just tell us what you want, yeah. With that, we will officially enter our rebuttal phase after I go to the bathroom. I will return. Hey, bro! Hey, bro! Awesome bro take! Yeah, man, I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man, you are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. We're back. It was a long journey. It was an arduous journey, but we finally reached the coveted, blessed rebuttal stage. So we've given a very, you know, straight to the letter interpretation of the theory as reported by the witnesses. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to talk about whether or not they can be trusted. 
whether or not individual parts of their testimony hold water, and whether or not Eli is sexier than Ian? Um, the answer is yes there. There we go. I agree. Now then, to start this off, I've got to ask if they could time travel into both the past and the future yeah. with nothing changing. The fuck kind of time are they traveling through? Right. Well, that goes straight into the multiverse theory. But I have a question for you. I mean, I asked you all sorts of questions. It's your turn now. The butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. When I was doing all of the research before I came across the multiverse theory, because I don't know about you, but I had never heard about that before. But all I could think about was you couldn't do any of this without triggering a butterfly effect. He encountered himself. Wouldn't that yeah. instantly trigger something? Like Okay, so what is your exact question here? Because there's a lot I could talk about just with that. Wouldn't it tear apart? the fabric of like the space-time continuum. I'll start by just talking about the multiverse hypothesis and then that'll actually transition later into the actual technology being used based on Tesla's ideas in an interesting way that actually does relate. So to be as cursory as possible in an explanation, multiverse universe hypothesis is that like there is a connection between uh, different space-time continuities, uh, that there can be parallel universes which don't necessarily overlap, but they can sort of intertwine in particular ways through certain physical loopholes. Uh, the most commonly given examples of these would be theories involving black holes and theories involving quantum mechanics. Okay, so when I was doing my like initial multiverse theory, it basically said that um, every choice you make creates a new alternative reality. Mm -hmm. And we belong to the one reality that we created with our choices. So if you went back in time and changed what your decision was, you would still come back to your identical present, but the changed past would then create an additional dimension. Going off of that, when he encountered himself, it would have just created mm -hmm. another dimension. Yeah. So again, like I said, it was a, a cursory overview, but it does apply to this. Something that a lot of people don't know about quantum mechanics is that it's not like there's a set, there are rules, but they are not like set things like we see in normal physics, like, you know, force always equals mass times acceleration. Mm -hmm. That's not really how quantum mechanics works. In okay. quantum physics, everything is probability. It's literally just about calculating the chance that something might happen. Because we, as we found at subatomic levels, we can't actually say with certainty what will happen. We can only ever achieve partial information about the state of something. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about multiverse theory in terms of time traveling, in terms of making discontinuities and going back in time and changing your own decisions and stuff like that, you actually create new quantum probability fields, which as weird as they sound, literally just means you create more options that you didn't have before, which creates a separate continuity of time. You create a new timeline. And this new timeline is exactly what we're talking about. It exists parallel 
to the timeline you came from in the future. You know, you moved to the past, right? So yeah, multiverse theory, according to quantum mechanics, is just if you were to meet yourself back in time, you wouldn't necessarily have a grandfather paradox or anything like that. You know, you could... We, we're still not so sure about like laws of causality. Like if you go back in time, can you change the cause of an event? But what we do know is you can definitely create potential new timelines. You can create new options. So strictly with the scenario of the um, assassination, sorry, I forgot the word. If he had successfully relayed the message to Lincoln that he was going to be assassinated and he didn't die, that it would have just created uh, adjacent timeline where he had lived but everything after that would be different in theory yes so then why with that does him encountering himself multiple times not induce a butterfly effect destruction of everything it's hard for me to explain verbally it would be much easier if i could show you like a graph okay but have you ever seen a graph where like there's a line and then there's a hole in it and then there's like another dot somewhere else, and then the line continues where it normally was. That's called a discontinuity in math. And again, a big word for a very simple thing. You just have a certain point that's not really on the line, even though everything else is. You can have entirely different branches of a graph. So you can have two completely different functions that coexist within the same function. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So in theory, under the assumption that every time you time traveled, you created a discontinuity which created a new timeline. You could go back in time and see yourself, but you would be a different discontinuity from a completely different timeline than the original you. You would, you would literally not be the same entity within the same universe as that original you was. And in turn, that means every interaction you have when you go back in time is a completely different function on the graph. Okay. It's a completely new line. They don't necessarily overlap. So if every time you make a discontinuity, you still somehow return to the original time you left in the original timeline, you would not see the consequences of your actions. The other universes you created would. That sounds to me pretty similar to like the flea and the acrobat. Do you know what I'm talking about? I actually don't. Okay, have you seen Stream Things? <laughs> no. Okay, that's why. So basically, it describes multi-dimensions. It's saying you have a tightrope and you have your acrobat. They can only move forward and backwards. Um, and then you have your flea. And the flea can move forward and backwards and side to side because the flea is so small. Okay. But if the flea keeps walking to the side, it's going to go around the rope and then end up back on top. Um, so the acrobat has one dimension because they're only on the top. And a flea has two dimensions, but one of the dimensions is a small closed loop. And so because of this, the acrobat can't detect any more than the one dimension of the rope, similar to how we only see the three dimensions of the world, even though it could have many more. Mm -hmm. Basically, to access tiny dimensions... Um, you have to have a lot of energy within a smaller entity. Yeah. Which would go into why it had to be kids and all of that. Although I will point out, we're talking about compressing the size of the thing that's containing the energy. The difference between an adult and a child is not nearly as significant. A lot of these analogies, which sound really good in our heads, don't work out when we try to apply them 
to things like time travel, right. which is one of the reasons why this theory has so many flaws. That's basically the multiverse theory. You can, you can, in theory, interact with yourself, and provided the consequences don't affect the original timeline, you're good to go. Within the first chunk of things, what else, like, stuck out to you, like a sore thumb of, like, you had to bite your tongue to not say something? We talked, I should say mentioned, multiple times, how the technology built in this theory was based on Tesla's design and particularly revolved around a thing called radiant energy. Now, for the purpose of this theory, I have a quote. They claim that radiant energy is, and I, I think I'm quoting Andrew Basiago here, Radiant energy is, quote, latent and pervasive in the universe and has among it properties which give it the capacity to bend time space. First of all, it's space time. Every source I read said time space so many times. It's space time. There's not even a hyphen like they were using. It's one word. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I saw that a lot too. And I was like, it upset me. So it's mentioned anyway. It irritated me a lot too. Now let's talk about uh, what this radiant energy is and where they found it in Tesla's notes and why the theory misuses the phrase radiant energy. Please, because I kept seeing that attached with the curtain of light. Yes. It just didn't sit right with me. And like, I didn't look into the science stuff because I knew you were. Don't worry, that's always my domain, I got you. So, we talked briefly about how the theory from Tesla was that you could pull radiant energy from basically a separate dimension and you could harness that to essentially have free energy. It wouldn't cost anything on our plane of reality to use that energy. That was the theory. Let's talk about what Nikola Tesla actually thought radiant energy was because it's not what they say he thought it was. To quote a patent from Nikola Tesla, what radiant energy is, is, quote, certain radiations such as those of ultraviolet light, cathodic rays, Roentgen rays, or the like, which possess the property of charging and discharging conductors of electricity. The discharge being particularly noticeable when the conductor upon which the rays impinge is negatively electrified. Dumb it down. What he's saying is that radiant rays are sunlight. It's not from another dimension. He never claimed it was. It, he, he mentions, in turn, sunlight, X-rays, the things we use in TVs, cathode rays. They're not a mysterious energy from an unknown force, not like some infinite well that hides within the universe he's literally talking about fucking light so i mean that takes away my star wars theory too then unfortunately for the most part yes but not entirely because of quantum mechanics we'll get to that later all right there's it can still be saved so i want to bring in a little bit about um the mandela effect okay Um, and then i can continue briefing people on why light doesn't work the way they think it does here yeah okay so i Direct quote from, because I'm still living in Basiago's stuff, because that's how I'm just going to counter everything. You can try. I mean, I know you're going to disprove it all, but this is how a debate happens, I think. Could the Mandela effect be a direct outcome of Project Pegasus? 
because in a statement from Basiago, he said, it felt like I was going into alternative realities. And so my thought with that was if that happened and the jumps back in time to change events cause the current reality to shift, which would be why we have the Mandela effect because it's a leak from other realities. First, as informal debate, I get to ask you to define your terms. Mandela effect is when something you've perceived to be one way, you find out later it's another thing. So like Bernstein, Bernstein bears, how everyone thought it had an E and it's actually an A. So cognitive dissonance, not actually a change in reality. Correct. Uh Uh-huh. So using the definition you just laid out, you're asking me if a real change in reality could correspond with a change in your perception of reality. The answer is no. So unfortunately, your mind cannot just change the universe at whim. No matter how much you time travel, that won't change. Oh, man. Mandela effect's really interesting, though. Oh, it's a very interesting effect. But it applies not to the domain of physics, but to the domain of psychology. This is your official warning that everything from here on out is going to be somewhat science-based. I'll try to keep it, like, as low-key as possible. I'm not going to, like, demand that you guys all take calculus courses to understand what I'm saying, but... Radiant energy. We now know, despite what the theory wants us to believe, radiant energy, even according to Nikola Tesla, is not supernatural. For us, it's technically free. On Earth, solar energy is free. You have to make the materials for a solar cell, of course, and you, you, know, you have to pay for installation and maintenance, but the energy production is free. You're not spending resources on Earth to make that energy. Mm-hmm. Except we know it's not actually free from the galaxy perspective because where does solar energy come from? The sun. Right. The Earth didn't just magically make that. It's because the sun will eventually burn itself out. But in the process of doing so, some of that energy is coming to us and we can use it. Okay. So back to the history. Why was Nikola Tesla talking about free energy? He was talking about using space radiation to help make wireless technology a possibility. He was, his belief was that he could harness cosmic rays, attune it to the gravitational oscillations of the Earth and its magnetic core, and basically like use the atmosphere as a battery for energy. So literally the entire sky would be an electrical conductor. If you think of it that way, you wouldn't have the issue of transporting electricity. Like, one of the main reasons we have issues with uh, transporting electricity now is because we have to send it through wires. And the longer you make a wire, the more resistance that electricity has to pass through. Right. I remember learning a little bit about that in physics. Um, But we had this project. You were put into teams of three. You were allowed to pick what you built. We built a train, but it had to have working lights. It had to be able to move. It had to be able to like, like it had to be a fully functioning model train essentially. Mm -hmm. And so we did have to, you know, learn how to wire it to get electricity in it. And the number of fires we set trying to do it was ridiculous. But I do remember that and that like said, we couldn't get it to go through one big wire to light the whole thing. We ended up doing individual ones and like, it was Mm -hmm. too much force and resistance, I guess, through one wire to span the entire four feet. We know that if you roll a wheel 
on the ground, it slows down eventually because there's friction. Right. And it's basically the same thing with electricity. If, it, if electricity is literally, it's literally electrons going through a metal surface. Mm-hmm. The electrons have to bounce around through a bunch of atoms. There's a lot of friction in that. It actually does, you know, face resistance. The elect- some of the electrical power is wasted just trying to survive bouncing through these atoms. And that's why we have issues with that. With Tesla's idea, that wouldn't be an issue. If the whole sky is a conductor, you don't have to distribute the energy. The energy is already stored within the sky. All you would need were little tall, or not little, big tall towers to receive the electricity from the sky and then send it to your phone or whatever you wanted to use. Looking at that, I mean, I do see where the idea of like the sky is a conductor comes from because I mean like lightning but not in the way that like it's alluded to in Project Pegasus. However his premise that the atmosphere itself was a good conductor was false. Right. Which is why his which is why ultimately he wasted a lot of money on this wireless uh, technology and it never came it never worked out. Mm -hmm. To be fair though he laid the groundwork for what later became wireless technology. I mean, he w- I think he invented the first working radio. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, in- he gave us the groundwork we needed to eventually achieve uh, something close to what he had, but his scale was far too great for even modern physics. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the tragic story of Nikola Tesla's downfall, but it taught us something very important relating to the theory, which is, No, radiant energy is not something mysterious. No, radiant energy is not infinite. And no, we could not channel that infinite energy, even if it was just waiting in the atmosphere for us to call to it. There's another very important thing in physics history which applies to this. The reason why they're talking about this radiant energy coming from another dimension, which, you know, we can't interact with, but we know it must be there, This was actually, believe it or not, a very common belief in physics before uh, special relativity was proposed by Albert Einstein. Because even before Einstein, people were noticing, hey guys, light travels at different speeds in different places. Right. But the speed of light shouldn't change. They were very confused by that. Yeah. And so to explain that, they used a theoretical placeholder called the ether. And what the ether was, was essentially, they believed it was some extra dimensional force that acted like air resistance on planes, where if there was more ether, light would experience more resistance and move more slowly. Kind of makes sense, until you remember they completely made up this idea of an extra dimension just to explain it. Right. So it makes sense, but it relies on an incredibly big assumption, which was never testable. Mm-hmm. So not very scientific, even though it was scientifically plausible. There are big chunks of it that I think are plausible, but then mm-hmm. little things here and there that skew it to the point that you're like, <laughs> this can't happen. Project Pegasus. In conclusion, the thing they were powering their teleportation tech with 
doesn't exist the way they described it. They were literally using light bulbs. Literally, they were using like the sun, yeah. just light from the sun. The thing they were saying allowed them to uh, have enough energy to propel someone through time didn't exist because the energy from the sun is not infinite, believe it or not. Right, because the sun's a star and it's going to... sun is a... Yeah, it's a star. It has mass. We can calculate its total energy. Right. We know how quickly it'll burn out. You know, we, you know there's not infinite energy. There's a lot, but there's not, a, there's not enough to propel someone through time. Right. I mean, a lot and infinite are two very different things. A lot and infinite are very different. The other thing is that it relies on a theory which was disproven. The, the, it relies on the ether theory of where this energy comes from which was disproven by Einstein right. in 1915. And they decided to rely on this outdated theory in the 70s. Bitch, same. <laughs> so you're telling me DARPA and the CIA, the guys who are focusing on cutting edge research that no one will have ever seen before, and it hasn't been considered by anyone else. The guys who are coming up with the super weapons of the day decided to rely on something that was debunked like half a century ago. I don't buy it. Tesla? No. There's also another thing I wanted to talk about, which relates to this exact point, which is they talk about how these Tesla-based quantum access time travel machines, which is what the full name for this thing is, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tesla-based quantum access time travel is that it relies on one of two premises, either that magnetic fields can open holes in t space and time, or that radiant energy can open holes in space and time. We know that both of these are not true. First of all, you shining a flashlight does not break all of reality. A good attempt, a good attempt. Eli's really trying for you guys right now, but uh, alas, we don't seem to be time traveling. It hurts my eyes. <laughs> it hurts his eyes, wait. He, he changed the future. His eyes didn't hurt before, now they do. They hurt, whoa. All right, so light itself, radiant energy itself, does not bend time. The theory that was a little more interesting is they mentioned magnetic fields mm -hmm. which could bend space-time. This is not true directly. Magnetic fields don't bend or warp space and time. But gravity does. And magnetic fields, which are based on the movement of charges, which themselves are, you know, electrons have mass. And if they move, they have momentum. And electrical energy exists because they move. And so, based on E equals MC squared, also thanks to Einstein, we know that a magnetic field does have a gravitational field. Mm -hmm. And gravity does put holes in space and time. Who are we to say, though, that they didn't bend time because time is a human construct? Sir, cease and desist. All right, I'm sorry for poking holes in your science. <laughs> poking holes in my science? Okay, we know observationally that if something moves from one position to another, it cannot do so instantly. That is proof of time, or what we call time, but is nonetheless an actual property of reality. Our conception may be wrong, but the, act, the observation is true. 
theories are not actually saying what happens. They try to explain observations which are known to be true. The explanation could be wrong, and, and science acknowledges that. It's just that based on what we see, which we know can be true because we can repeat the experiments and get the same observation every time, based on observations, we come up with logical explanations. We're not here saying, you know, these things couldn't happen. We're saying there are no observations which make this even close to possible. Electri so the question then becomes, okay, well, if electromagnetic fields create gravitational fields, which can put holes in space and time, that means their time travel machine could work, right? You're wrong. Wrong you would be, you poor, poor fool. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's, not, it's not that they couldn't technically create a distortion of space and time, but you have to remember, first of all, if you need to create a gravitational field to make a time machine, why not just use a really heavy object instead of on top of having to make a gravitational field, also power an electrical field. Especially when you consider how big the force required, the density of matter you need to actually create the kind of energy you need. Do you know where we find things where we think there might be the potential for time travel with gravity? Black holes. Why would you want to make something so electrically charged that it could become a black hole when you could just go to an already existing black hole and use that. If we're going back though, they weren't able to get to black holes. Well, by that point, we also wouldn't have been able to stabilize black holes since we hadn't discovered them at the time. Well, okay, we theorized them. We hadn't observed them. Mm -hmm. We had suspicions. Oh yes, uh, the other thing to mention is that Tesla's notes wouldn't have let them know that magnetic fields could create gravitational fields which could influence space and time. Because something you might remember is that we attribute the idea that space and time are connected to Einstein telling us it was so, which happened after Tesla died. Yep. So space and time being connected and influenced by force fields and at least within the context of Nikola Tesla's notes that we have, didn't exist. The concept that fields at all could influence time and space didn't exist. New theory, Einstein never existed. It was Nikola Tesla. Thank you. You may continue. If time travel exists, it needs to be used to wipe this moment from history. I was going to say, it's going to be used so that Ian can come over here and bitch slap me. Oh my god. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Yada, yada, yada. Magnetic fields. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Awesome bro take. Yeah, man. I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man. You are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it. 
every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our romance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. So, I'm going to tell y'all how time travel really works. Because these guys keep coming up with, like, curtains and shit of, like, radiant energy. So, literally, they shower you with flashlights and expect you to time travel. No No wonder the LSD was a part of the operation, because... That's about the only way you'd get to that conclusion. Uh, I like that conclusion, though. Drugs make anything possible, man. Right. So, I mean, also, we don't condone the use of drugs. No drugs, please. Okay? Don't do it, guys. They're prescribed to you, and you're using them safely. Use responsibly. Yeah. I mean, like, you do you. I can't. Just don't blame me. You ready for the interesting part, which connects back to the multiverse theory? Yes. Okay. There is a way to use electric fields to create a time travel device. You could use electrical fields, in theory, in, con- in, co- in coordination with a lot of mass energy to make something called a wormhole. Wormhole is a weird term we have. I'm not sure why they call it a fucking wormhole, but it's uh, essentially a sort of, not really a tear, but more like just a stretch of two parts of space and time as a single unit. And it connects two distinct locations and times together. Okay. So basically, you, you would create like one of those slinky slides at a park yeah. in, in literally the fabric of reality. I mean, that would be kind of fun. It would be. Honest to God, I, I would love that. Alrighty, and we're building a time machine. Let's do it. Hell yeah. All you'd need to do is create a charged black hole with a white hole inside of it. Let's not do that. Oh, what? I thought you guys wanted to time travel. I mean, DARPA already did this, right? They made a black hole to time travel with electricity because Tesla told them to do it. It was great. So the way this works is you have to charge your black hole. You don't get to just like skirt the outside of the black hole where you're kind of safe. You have to go into the black hole, straight to the middle of it. Inside of the black hole is a white hole and a white hole is the exact opposite of a black hole. Uh, A black hole, nothing can escape from within and it sucks up everything from outside of it. A white hole, once you enter it from from the black hole, it ejects everything that enters its radius and nothing from outside can enter it in theory however due to the breakdown of physics by the black hole around the white hole it'll allow you in and it'll spit you out cute where the white hole spits you out is actually a very big mystery one we'll never be able to test it because you'd have to survive the black hole first the other issue is that we actually haven't confirmed white holes. We've even like taken pictures of black holes. We only have circumstantial evidence that white holes even exist. So white holes are a very big mysterious thing, but they are mathematically predicted by theories of relativity. And so the important thing here is the white hole, if you were ejected through it, would take you to a new location 
of space and time. It could, in other words, both teleport and time travel you. Yeah. There are some caveats to your magnificent time travel machine. <laughs> the first is that a white hole is one way. You would not be able to teleport back. You'd be stuck wherever you end up. Right. Unless you, of course, at this new time and space, could make another black hole. I, I challenge you to do so. Playing tennis between black holes. Yeah. Uh, the other issue is that a white hole does not necessarily bring you to another time within your, spa within your universe. It literally, there is a theory that a white hole opens into a new universe. You could go back, you could go back in time and Abraham Lincoln wouldn't be there to greet you. Instead, you'd have a bunch of green Martians saying hi. And they'd be like, wow, you're about 400 cubits from Earth. I didn't even know Earth had life. Right. And we also don't even know if the laws of physics in this new space-time would be the same as the one that would be in ours. Because white holes literally could transport you to somewhere not in our universe. Mm -hmm. It'd be fucking crazy. The downside to using DARPA's time travel tech is it would literally have destroyed the Earth. Right. And none of them would have survived. I'm not even sure they'd be able to control where they time traveled to. We know that it's possible. It would be possible. Possibly. Okay, so science aside. Yes, we finally got through all that science. I'm so sorry for putting you through all that, but you, there's, you needed to hear all that to realize the absurdity of this theory. Just some random thoughts from Eli. So, Masiago. Yeah. So he was like really well respected until he started talking about this shit. Yeah, I, I hear he had an actually decent record as a lawyer. He was um, for a while like an elected official, like, and then he kind of went off on this, and I'm like, dude, you shot yourself in the foot. I mean, like, he shot himself in the foot from the get go by saying that he personally had knowledge to save humanity. Hmm. Due to this project. Has he presented this knowledge? No, he just says he contains this knowledge. And only he does. He's going to be the hero like his dad wanted him to be. Okay, okay, sure, sure. But part of his whole thing as like being the leader of the truth movement is that he's going to expose all of the classified information to the public so that it can be used by everyone. Wouldn't he have to disclose what it is that he knows? Like, he's contradicting himself. There's actually an even bigger contradiction here. He's been allowed for quite a long time to share this theory of his. The emphasis being time. Because as I recall, uh, they had a really good time uh, time traveling to the past to try and send messages to uh, people who came before them. It's almost as if the, the future DARPA and CIA could send a message back in time to the original ones who hired Basiago to say, don't trust this guy and don't let him actually get away with telling these people this. Right. And then they could, you know, do something about it. Well, and that brings me to my next little thing, though. Mm-hmm. DARPA and the government have, ad have admitted publicly to having tried. There is no admission of success, though. For obvious it's reasons. It's already 
out in the open that they tried. Due to the fact that they admitted having tried teleportation and time travel, they wouldn't need to shut him up because they didn't say they did it successfully. They said they tried. So does it really matter that there's this nutty man out there saying like, yeah, it was successful. Well, as I recall, the, the mission of Project Pegasus is to reveal this technology to better humanity. In other words, the motive of the government is to somehow not use this to help people. Right. Chance that it's true is about like less than zero. And it makes it worse that he's like running for presidentship. Um, yeah. On the platform that he was predicted by his superiors who looked into the future to become president. That was his platform. Fulfill the destiny prophesized by my time traveling compatriots. Well, he has eight years left before that prophecy is wrong. As he said, by 2028. I have another little logic blurb, which is somewhat related to physics, but it's more, it's more something I could talk about anyway. Um, I asked you what theory of time travel they were working with when they were traveling through time. Mm-hmm. Now is the point where I, can ask, where I can talk about why I asked that. He traveled to the future. Right. But that would imply that there was a specific future to travel to. Right. That, and so in whatever theory of time travel they're working with, the future is predetermined. Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, then why could they send messages to the past? And what's the point of it if it's predetermined? Yeah. And especially when you talk about, like, if you can see yourself in the past having time traveled mm-hmm. and the you and the time trap and this is actually like a set timeline which is what's implied by being able to go to the future right then you would create a discontinuity because we're not using the multiverse theorem anymore because you've established there's only one timeline because the future is determined in stone mm-hmm. so there's no multiverse which means going back and seeing yourself is a violation of causality which means you did just create a paradox, which means we wouldn't exist anymore. Space and time would have collapsed. Right. But we're here talking about it, so I guess that didn't happen, did it? Nope. Now, using this platform that he's created for himself, yeah. um, people like to argue, like, he's doing this to expose the truth. I mean, he has nothing else to gain from it. When he really started coming forward, he was publishing a book. So... You're also now dealing with, is he coming forward to gain more attention to himself and this book that he's wanting to sell? And like, to me, that's almost instantly like, oh, this is a marketing stunt gone too far. Yeah. And also, so much of the information is so easily accessible, minus the Marvel stuff covering it up on my end, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With it being out in the open like that makes it less believable. Yeah. Because if they wanted to hide it, they wouldn't just have it out there. But at the same time, maybe they would. Because, I mean, I'm sitting here saying, well, it's out in the open, so it's not credible. Oh, yeah. We can finally come back to this. The kids would not keep the secret, man. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. They were still going to normal school. Remember, while this was all happening. Why were you absent yesterday? Oh, I was at the Gettysburg Address. Like... That's a big one. I would tell everyone, like... Yeah. 
I'm 22 and I still can't keep a fucking secret. Clearly, as humans, when something excites us or something interesting is happening, you want other people to know. Yeah. And like that's as adults, you're still, you still want to tell other people when something big is happening. So as a child, that's the least trustworthy person to put in the hands of this. Mm-hmm. However, to contradict it, kids so often aren't believed for the shit they say. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's their safest bet, because if they tell an adult, yeah, I was at the Gettysburg Address, they're going to be like, yeah, that's cute. I can see that point. But that brings up another question, which I was also thinking about. I asked you earlier if they could monitor him going through time and being in, in time, being in a different place in time. And you said that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. So if the kid just returns to the time he left, you wouldn't see anything happen. Yeah. The only thing you would see is apparently literally them turning on like hot lamps right. around this kid. And then they'd turn it off and he'd be back. And they'd say, hey, so uh, how to go at uh, the Gettysburg Address? And all he has to say is, oh, I was there. I saw the Gettysburg Address. And they'd be like, wow, this is flawless. Our experiment is perfect. Yes, we did it. If they can't verify his testimony, why would they perform this experiment? Well, I guess you have, that's why they like filmed things from the past. Allegedly. Allegedly. Now, you also have, though, with the Gettysburg Address, the picture. And yet the picture was not taken by anyone from the organization. Correct. And no one did anything to rectify the picture being taken in the past, despite literally, you know where it is, the Library of Congress. It's public record. You're telling me that these guys who wanted to keep this secret left it in the Library of Congress for no one to find out somehow. Right. Well, and it's the same thing, though, of like, you know, if you leave something in the open, sometimes it goes more unnoticed in the open than if it's something hidden away. Possibly, but why would they leave the loose end and not correct it with the time travel they perfected? That's true. That's true. They, the thing is, we're coming back to sort of what happened with Men in Black, where they do such a bad job of covering their own tracks. Right. With the power they have, that it's almost as if they don't have the power that they are claimed to have. Yeah. You can time travel and correct anything. You should be cleaning up after yourselves. Yeah, you shouldn't be making mistakes like this. Yeah. This is, this was probably the thing that I personally found the most interesting. As you saw from my text this morning of why I'm a horrible person. I'm a true crime, I was going to say true crime minded person and that's not it because I don't want to commit crimes. But like, it intrigues me, the background of crime. Yeah. And there's argument that this is why children will randomly go missing, is that the government's taking them. And to an extent, I believe it. Because if we look at the very beginning, they started it with orphans. If you look at Ultra, it did start in orphanages, and they admitted that. Sure. Except that's not kids going missing. That's kids being abducted with a paper trail. Right. Big difference. So, I mean, if they had worded it as like, this is the cause for abductions within orphanages. I mean, it still wouldn't be 100% true. It's like, that's all of the abductions, but like... I mean, 
I'd be still, I mean, I feel like you could confirm maybe, maybe that the government took a bunch of these kids and that that accounts for some missing kids cases. That says nothing about the successful time travel. Right. But I mean, I was just saying, because that whole thing was just on like where they got the kids, but it doesn't equate to the success. No, not at all. So that's where this theory is really about is like, it's like we, I think we actually already said this at the beginning. Like we definitely believe that a lot of conspiracy theories that governments attempted really weird stuff. We definitely agree that, I mean, I mean, there are some exceptions where you can prove they didn't, Yeah. but like, there are lots of places where like, yeah, I could see governments doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, but when you come down to, and then they succeeded, you can almost every time you can prove they didn't. The, the irony is in all of the revealed conspiracy theories from governments, none of them worked. Right. Which <laughs> Have you noticed that? Which is why it's out in the open without a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, the last thing that I have before Mars stuff, which we're obviously not hitting today, is they're saying that a lot of like theorists in general believe that many children are lost in time from various projects similar to Project Pegasus, Mm -hmm. which is why people feel like they belong in a different time in history. And like, I've been told many times I belong in the 80s. But that doesn't mean that like I'm a lost to time. It just means aesthetically I fit that. Yeah. So like, it's interesting that like, that's what they're going to say, because that to me is just like, no, you're just talking about aesthetics. Like, Okay, there's a rule in science that if two theories are equally plausible, the premise is false. Okay. Uh, you can't have a valid argument that comes to two contradictory conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know what else? You could just have a past life. Right, well, and I was going to say, you also have to deal, look into that, and that is one thing that I personally very much believe. There you go. Reincarnation. Sure, but if that's the case then you feeling like you fit in the 80s, you could just be some missing kid who didn't finish his life in the 80s. He like died early. Right. You inherited yeah. his soul yeah. or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how exactly you believe it works. You know, well, there are all sorts of different theories. I'll tell you all about that later. But like, it could be either a completely unrelated thing like time travel mm-hmm. or it could be past lives. You haven't proven anything. That's fair. Yeah, I found that one really interesting because it kind of came out of nowhere that I kind of was like, that's a very, to me at least, a unique thought process to why people identify closely with certain things or like have deja vu about certain things. Like, I'm like, I don't think it's time travel per se, but like, I do think that's an interesting attempt to explain. I have one more quick physics caveat that somewhat reigns on this parade. Yeah, send it. For wormholes, which are essentially what we think are the best chance at time travel as we know it now, not only would you have to make these black holes and you'd have to like accelerate them to different times so that one would age more slowly than the other, right. you wouldn't be able to go back in time past when the wormhole was first created. In other words, the missing children from the past couldn't be like in a different time, like older, like we couldn't be people from the 1800s by time travel right because we'd have had to have time travel in the 1800s so i mean it couldn't theoretically then it couldn't be anyone later than 1970 exactly according to darpa going into the past 
wouldn't have been possible. Maybe, maybe going to the future would be possible. But even then, we're not even sure if the axis of time extends into the future yet. Especially at quantum levels, everything is kind of probability. Right. There isn't a guaranteed outcome. So from what we know of physics, the future isn't a single fixed point. We're not sure you could travel to the future. And we know for sure you couldn't travel the, to the past beyond where you already, where you first made your time machine. Yeah. So what we know about time for sure directly contradicts the DARPA project going back to, you know, Jesus and dinosaurs and even George Washington. And it also means you can't just say, you know, all the missing kids ever were from time travel. Right. right. We're all the gifted kids that got to time travel. I still don't get that. The gifted kids part, like, no, Donald Trump, like, descended from, you know, you know what's actually interesting that I didn't expect to come up? You know how Trump's always like, okay, I got great genes. My grandfather was an MIT guy. Do you know who it was who the government had analyze uh, Nikola Tesla's notes when they seized them from his uh, flat? It was his grandpa from MIT. Professor Trump actually was the guy who analyzed Nikola Tesla's stuff. By the way, what he concluded was most of his work from like the last 20 years of his life was quackery. It was mostly philosophical. I'm not kidding. He literally, he went way off the deep end. I believe that. So ironically enough, there is a Trump twist in here. Yeah, that's funny. John Trump was the guy who looked at Tesla's notes. That's really interesting. But that's also proof right there that just because your parent or your relative is a genius does doesn't not- make you a genius or talented, you know? Um, you can find us on our website, conspiracycrasherspodcast.com. Go there, because on that website, it has a link to listen, a link for merch. Um, the Patreon link is up through that. You can learn a little bit about us on it. Um, it's a pretty cool place. Um, we also can be found on Instagram at Conspiracy Crashers Podcast, um, where we will be starting to announce next week's episodes on the Instagram by posting some cryptid images for you guys to try and use to figure out what we're covering. We can be found on Facebook at Conspiracy Crashers, on Twitter at, at Conspiracy Pods, and our email if you have suggestions, ideas of what you want us to cover advice whatever at conspiracycrasher at gmail.com yeah, yeah.